0: Life presents various issues with a multitude of solutions. Having issues is easy, getting to the solutions is hard. If you're up for a good challenge, stay tuned and welcome to Qualified Issues. Carissa Galloway. I'm a licensed professional counselor in the state of Texas. And this is episode four of season three. Season three is about qualified roots, basically root causes of things that we see today in our lives. And episode four is about having a sense of self. So who are you? Is it who you once were? Is it defined by your past? Is it who you want to be? How do you know the answers to any of these questions? Well, all these questions are wrapped up into one word, identity. We hear that word a lot lately, but we don't understand what it really means. For example, I identify as a therapist, but does that encapsulate me? Does that fully define me? What if I say I identify as a mother, a wife, a sister, a daughter, a podcaster, a writer, a reader, a musician, etc.? If you really look at all of these words, these are just roles. What roles we play do not define us. Now, I'm not going to get into the gender or trans identity issues that are causing a huge stir across our country. I am focused on you getting to know you. This isn't about other people knowing you. We will get to that later. How well do you know yourself? How does all of this relate to the root causes in our lives? All of this information together creates a much bigger conceptualization of the question, who are you? So as always, let's define some terms so that we are informed about our topic. So both of these come from dictionary.cambridge.org. So the definition of sense is, quote, an ability to understand recognize value or react to something especially any of the five physical abilities to see hear smell taste and feel unquote another definition of sense is quote a general feeling or understanding unquote now the first definition is somewhat related to self-awareness in more of an external way our five senses t- uh, they tell us about the world the second definition is much deeper than the external world could ever tell us. The second definition is a understanding. If you really think about what it means to understand an individual, yourself namely, that word becomes huge. So let's go to the word self. It is defined as, quote, who a person is, including the qualities such as personality and ability that make one person different from another, unquote. So we have talked about personality and differences from other people in previous podcasts and seasons. Basically, you want to know what your personality is, generally speaking, and how you are different from other people. So let's put together sense and self. Having a sense of self. Well, it's having an understanding of our personality and what makes us different from other people. Why do we have the personality we do? Why do we have those differences from other people? Part of the answer to both of these questions is going to be past events in our lives that still have an effect on us today. So let's go back to the big question, who are you? So to get that answer, we first need to address something. We need to look at our level of self-awareness when it comes to the effect of root causes. We all have effects of root causes, regardless of if those causes were positive or negative. Most people would agree that if someone shows you kindness, one effect is that you will be kind to someone else or a multitude of people. But what if, for example, someone is mean to you, calls you a name? Okay, what are the effects of those root causes? So I found this article on understood.org by Dr. Andrew Lee called The Difference Between Teasing and Bullying. And there's no date given that I could find anyway. Um, So the three key points, and these are all directly quoted from the article. Number one, teasing and bullying are different. Number two, not all teasing is bad. Sometimes it's playful and helps kids bond. Number three, when teasing is meant to hurt and is done over and over, it can become bullying. So... He says, quote, teasing is a type of communication, unquote. Well, let's, let's look at this for a moment, as it does have to do with self-awareness. How people know us is through some form of communication. We write a song and someone hears it. We talk to someone at the grocery store. We talk to our children about good and bad behavior. We tell a friend about an event in our lives. All of these communications we have with people, let them know who we are to some degree or another, it can also let us know who we are as well. So are you aware of what you are communicating to others? What words are you using? What is your tone conveying in terms of how you are feeling? He also says, quote, many kids tease each other to bond or form relationships, unquote. Now, I call this smack talk, right? Um, I played a lot of sports growing up, and um, I mean, you can kind of see it too, Uh, between professional athletes sometimes um, where they kind of tease each other, poking fun at each other, right? Um, I definitely would call this an innocent tease. It's done in fun and towards someone with whom the teaser has a good relationship with. Therefore, the receiver understands it is more of a joking tease. Okay, in the negative sense, the author states, quote, it's often used to establish, quote, unquote, top dog among kids, unquote. So this idea leads into bullying, which is, quote, not done to make friends or to relate to someone, end quote. So there's not a positive intention there. And one thing I always try to look at when I'm dealing with anybody is, what intentions do they have right now? The author states, quote, the goal is to embarrass the victim and make the bully look better and stronger, unquote. So when we're dealing with somebody who is uh, bullying, right? There's no good intention there. I would almost be willing to bet the farm that that teaser, that bully, you know, has a very low self-confidence, okay? They, they don't really think very highly of themselves um, and or it could be modeled for them at home by one or both parents or even an older sibling. So um, now while it's really easy to point a finger to the teaser or the one who may have bullied us as a child, what's harder And yet more beneficial is to ask ourselves what effect that event had and maybe still has on us today. Did getting teased or bullied create fear or anxiety in us? Did it make us more prone to leave before someone abandons us because we believe we are not valuable as the teaser or bully would have us believe back then? Do we have negative self-talk that is similar to what the teaser or bully called us? Do we behave in a similar way because we feel it will also make us powerful? These are all questions related to self-awareness, which is a key factor in your level of sense of self. The teasing versus bullying example I gave is a great way to see how negative root causes can have effects on us long after the event occurred. But we also see here that that can we can turn that into something positive for ourselves and maybe even for other people by saying, well, I didn't like how that person was, so I don't want to be that way, right? Or maybe there's some anxiety there that we didn't know was there before, but because we are thinking about that root cause, now we realize that's probably where my fear or anxiety or negative self-talk came from, so that might be something that I have to work on. So that would be the benefit of um of, of asking ourselves what effect that event had and maybe still has. An article called Finding Yourself: How to Develop a Strong Sense of Self by Katherine kolonko with a medical review by Jocelyn jelinek who's an LCSW, in July of 2022, talks about sense of self, um, what it is, what the importance of it is. Um, what can impact it, and how to strengthen it. So we're going to focus on the last two topics here. So subtitle is, quote, factors that can impact your sense of self, unquote. One of the first things in that um, section is, quote, strong personal belief in your value and what you have to offer is a key factor in developing or maintaining a strong sense of self, unquote. The author goes on to say that negative events in our past can change the belief that we have value to a belief that we have little to no value. This is what we call negative and or maladaptive thinking. The thoughts or even words you tell yourself about who you are can be a reaction to how past negative root cause events made you feel. If you find this is happening often to you, please find a licensed mental health therapist to help you work through that event so that the negative thinking and self-talk will lessen, if not hopefully and completely just go away. Um, Another section with a subtitle quote, how to develop and strengthen your sense of self, unquote. So there are three things here. There's uh, nurture yourself, surround yourself with support, heal past wounds. So let's start with nurture yourself. This includes taking care of yourself, brushing your teeth, eating healthy, maybe exercising, getting enough sleep, but it also includes self-care. Remember, self-care are things we do for ourselves that are not necessities. Things like going for a walk, painting, learning a new language, reading an entertaining book, etc. Things you enjoy doing that are not necessities. Okay. The second thing, surround yourself with support. Uh, again, these three points are quoted from the article, Uh, surround yourself with support. The author talks about, quote unquote, supportive people and, quote, turning to faith or spirituality, unquote. Now, these are great tips. I would also include that having support also means having appropriate boundaries. This is especially true if your negative root cause was relational, as most are, the third is heal past wounds. The author, it's she's basically saying this is how therapy works to heal wounds from the past. And I think that anybody who knows what therapy is understands that that is really one of the best ways um, to heal those past wounds. Although I do agree that uh, really close friends and family, like your support group, sometimes, uh, you know, your faith, uh, your church or mosque or temple body too, you know, those are all people that can also help you with that. In the last section of the article, though, it's called Let's Recap, the author takes us through ways to, quote, cultivate a strong sense of self, unquote. Um, So she talks about understanding who you are, your personality, basically. And honestly, this is where mindfulness exercises come in super helpful. If you don't know what mindfulness is, um, I did talk about it, I think, in a few episodes previously. But you can also, you know, Google it, um, Bing it, duck, duck, go it, whatever uh, medium you use to find those answers. But mindfulness is super helpful in helping you be more self-aware about who you are. Um, a second tip is to reconsider your own belief in yourself if that belief is negative. Now, I liken this tip to changing the perspective we have of ourselves, If I have had a negative root cause event where I was led to believe I was not good enough, then my task is going to be combating that line of thinking. So my perspective becomes one of, I am valuable. I am worthy. I am not perfect, but I do work hard and I try to do the best I can. Perspective, by the way, is covered fairly extensively in season two here on Qualified Issues. Um, Another great article I found was on psychologytoday.com by by Dr. Eileen Strauss-Cohen called How to Build a Strong Sense of Self. Um, This is from August 2019. In this article, she provides, quote, four ways to be a more authentic you, unquote. I think this topic is super important because oftentimes we find ourselves feeling like a stranger in our own skin we don't like our thoughts, we don't like the way we feel, and maybe even our own behavior, we're not really fond of. So here's her four ways. Number one, differentiate yourself. Basically, she is encouraging you to see yourself as an individual, someone who is not defined by external things and people. She encourages the reader to really take time to know who you are and what you want. She says, quote, take your time and remember That knowing yourself happens through the daily decisions you make, unquote. That's really important. The daily decisions you make. The second uh, tip that she gives is connect with yourself. Her advice here echoes what I've talked about in previous podcast episodes related to self-awareness. She says, quote, when a situation occurs, take a step back and watch your process thoughts and feelings without trying to react immediately unquote and and we all like to do that right we i i think that when especially when our emotions are heightened you know we know exactly what we want to say maybe we have our own agenda and that can be kind of dangerous sometimes especially in, in any kind of relationship because we end up just spewing things out emotionally based words out of our mouth, and maybe we don't really mean them. So it's always good to take a few moments, look at yourself, and then consider how you will respond and try not to react. Um, The third uh, point that she makes is um, see challenges as a way to know yourself. Again, this is highly related to self-awareness and perspective. Um, And again, I do talk about this idea of um, the, the challenges of creating an opportunity uh, in, in a few previous podcast seasons and episodes. She says, quote, when you're faced with difficult situations in life, try to see them as opportunities for you to decide who you are and see what you're capable of, unquote. Uh, the fourth one is apply these actions to your life. Here she provides an awesome, awesome six-step way to work through applying things you learn about yourself. So we're going to go through those because I think they're just, they're wonderful. Um, And again, these are all quoted, all six of these are quoted. So the first one is make a real effort to have your feelings line up with your logical brain by looking at the facts in every situation. In other words, do not allow your emotions to control you. And I know that is so much easier said than done, right? You may have to step outside the situation to even really see the more objective, factual information. Okay, uh, number two, practice sitting with the discomfort that comes from your wants not being immediately satisfied. Okay, this is something anybody out there who has a toddler knows what she's talking about because we try to teach toddlers this, right? They want a lollipop first thing in the morning. What are we going to say? Well, no, you can have one after lunch. And if they throw a fit, what do we usually do? Well, we have them go to timeout and we talk to them lovingly, gently, and yet also firmly The reason you cannot have a lollipop is because it's not good for you to have sugar first thing in the morning, okay? So that's one example. Uh, Her third point is think about your personal values instead of imposing them on other people. This is also a very tough thing to do when we are feeling like we don't belong or aren't accepted by other people. But her point here is really beneficial because we can't control other people we can't truly make anyone accept us and remember you are different from each person you have ever you ever have and and each person you ever will meet in your entire life every single individual is unique therefore it's really erroneous to think that everyone will always agree with your personal values. Just like it would be erroneous for other people to think you will always agree with their personal values. The only person you can control is yourself. That includes how you react or respond to others. Okay. Her fourth fourth point here, when people in your life upset you or you don't agree with them, try to stay connected to them rather than pulling away. Now, Obviously, if there is actual abuse going on, then this may not be possible. But also don't forget to factually differentiate between abuse, teasing, and bullying. The goal here is to not burn every bridge simply because someone doesn't agree with you or you don't agree with them or because they said something that you didn't like. Relationships are more important than minor infractions against our feelings. I'm going to say that again. Relationships are more important than minor infractions against our feelings. Okay. Her fifth point is have your own ideas, values, and thoughts, even if others disagree with them. This is so, 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 so true. This is what makes you unique, at least part of what makes you unique. People who are true friends will not mind if you disagree with them or them with you. A good friend invites views that are different from his or hers, even if they don't agree. The goal in any relationship is to learn about the other person. Well, that's going to be impossible to learn anything about anyone if we all just either block people we don't agree with or conform to what other people think just so we can feel accepted and belong. Number six look beyond your initial impulsive reactions so that you can see your real intentions and act in ways that are better fit with who you want to be versus what your impulses dictate. I encourage you to write this down and really think about if and how this applies to you. And I'm going to read it one more time. This is a quote from the article, look beyond your initial impulsive reactions so that you can see your real intentions and act in ways that better fit with who you want to be versus what your impulses dictate. We can all be impulsive at times. However, if you find that your impulsivity interferes with your relationships, with your functioning, it might be time to find some help As impulsivity is associated with a number of mental health diagnoses. And I'm not just saying once in a while uh, impulsivity. I'm talking ongoing, frequent, impulsive behavior. One final article that I thought would be very beneficial to you, the listener. This comes from VeryWellMind.com by Kendra Cherry with a medical review by Dr. Rachel Goldman in November of 2022 called What is Self-Concept? There is an image provided um, on the website um, where this article is located, and it shows three factors related to self-concept. And these three factors come from Carl Rogers. He was a humanist psychologist who every mental health professional had to study about in graduate school. He also is responsible for person-centered therapy. Okay, so the three three factors of self-concept, again from Carl Rogers, is one, self-image, this is how you view yourself. Um, Two, self-esteem. I'll come back to that in a minute. And three, ideal self. Okay. So self-esteem. I'm going to go back to dictionary.cambridge.org and define esteem. It says, quote, to respect someone or have a good opinion of them, unquote. Basically, what we're talking about here is how much you respect yourself. What kind of opinion do you have about yourself? I think often we think of self-esteem as how much you like yourself, but really it comes down to how you treat yourself and what you think of yourself. And in that regard, it's really not a bad thing to work towards having a higher self-esteem, as long as we're looking at it Uh, The word esteem, you know, in the correct way. Again, it's, quote, to respect someone or have a good opinion of them, unquote. And we can change that to respect myself or have a good opinion of myself, okay? The third factor is ideal self. This is very easy as it is, um, what we call today the best version of yourself, okay? So that's basically what ideal self is. Ideals can be tricky because they are just that ideals. If you are working towards a change in yourself, please make sure that you are self-aware of your abilities and resources, things you can do versus things that may be realistically out of your reach. This may sound harsh, I get it, but if you go back and listen to season one, which is all about change, you'll hear me talk about SMART goals. SMART is an acronym for Specific, Measurable, Achievable, Relevant, and Time-bound. Now, the A for achievable is very telling in that your goal must be something you can realistically complete, reach, achieve, okay? Um, the article also touches on, quote unquote, incongruence and congruence. The author states, quote, self-concept is not always aligned with reality. When it is aligned, your self-concept is said to be congruent. If there is a mismatch between how you see yourself, your self image, and who you wish you were, your ideal self, your self concept is incongruent. So I'd like to expand this idea by saying that it highlights the importance of some areas of self awareness being gained by external appraisal. Other people that you trust will be in a good position to help you increase your self awareness by their objective observation and interaction with you. And then they take that and give it to you as hopefully loving, gentle feedback that you can use to be more aware, self-aware of who you are and maybe any changes you might need to make. Sense of self is having a deep understanding of who you are, which encompasses a lot of various elements. Never forget who you are those who love you, your value and worth, and that you do have a purpose in this world. So that sums up sense of self. That's it for today. Thank you so much for listening. If you have a quick minute, please consider rating and reviewing this podcast, maybe even sharing it with a friend. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to contact me at fortheloveoftherapy at gmail.com. That's fortheloveoftherapy at gmail.com. Remember, a podcast is never a substitute for therapy with a licensed mental health professional. I am Carissa Galloway. This has been Qualified Issues, and I hope you'll join me next time.